Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the emergency filler podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. Previously on the Stasis Pod, the Beast Era ended, and be- and while they were cooking up their next big thing, Hasbro needed something fast and cheap, and they got it in Robots in Disguise. Yep. Yeah. They sure did. A uh, bunch of heroic vehicles fight a bunch of not-so-heroic beasts, and then later, some also not-so-heroic vehicles. Yes. Yeah, so it, it, it's at least an interesting that it starts as a flip of beast machines. Yes. But but then you end up feeling sorry for the animals a lot, because it's just cars and giant fire trucks beating the shit out of a skunk and things. Yeah, the, the bad guys are so adorable. Yeah, yeah. They're all the comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're reusing a bunch of... Uh, of names here to, uh, to just run down the cast quickly. We've got Optimus Prime, voiced by Neil Kaplan. He's just kind of your Optimus Prime. He's a fire truck. Uh, you've got the Autobot Brothers, who uh, consist of Prowl, who is a police car. Sideburn, <laughs> which is a terrible name, and who is a blue sports car. And Exbron, who is an SUV. Now, I see, I have another another one of my, my, my big pattern theories is that whenever Hasbro does a big change of gears, I'm I'm sure I've mentioned this before, whenever they change gears, they completely have forgotten how to name that kind (laughs) of thing. So that's why at the beginning of Beast Wars, we have like Dinobot and Cheetor and, you know, towards the end we have better names. Uh, And then in, in Beast Machines, they had forgotten how to name vehicles, so we get Tankor. Uh, and at this point, they have continued to have forgotten how to name vehicles. So we yeah. have X-Brawn and worse. I mean, and I think I can kind of speak to this. When they shake things up, they do have a tendency of shuffling people around the building and the company onto various different properties. Yeah, I So I even if they're staying that. at the company, they kind of shift Roles and so the guy who like, came up with these names might have been doing My Little Pony names the week before, yeah, months well, before, and also Aaron Archer was still there. But mm. we so thought X made bronze sound even cooler. At the time. <laughs> I mean, it was still kind of the nineties. It, it was hyphenated, so it was like X Men, but X Braun. Yes, and uh, and almost all the voice actors in this are, I think, non-union anime guys. Yeah, there's a well. There were a bunch of anime of... names. There was only one that really popped out at me that I could he- listening. I didn't bother to look who it was. A lot of Power Rangers guys. A lot yeah. of Digimon. A lot of Digimon people. There was someone, I, I forget offhand who it was, but there was one who was from Robotech. Uh, and also in some oh, various um, other uh, Harmony Gold. It, I think that was Richard Epcar, maybe? Yeah, I think that's who it is. It's in, in various Harmony Gold... Uh, stuff. I think he's in that Lensman. Oh, yeah, he's dub. been around a long time. Which I, I, is that on DVD? Because if it is, I need it because my VHS is a VHS tape. I think it was only on VHS. <laughs> oh, well, I, I have it. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I got it too. I, I don't think that made it as far as the DVD era. And as far as our bad guys go, we've got Megatron, who is uh, a guy who changes into six different things and will later turn into ten different things. He is kind of an angry boob. <laughs> he's ridiculous. He, he's barely in this episode. Yeah, and his minions yeah. are even more ridiculous. You have Skybite, who is... He is B-Y-T-E. great. He, he, yes. Oh, he's so good. He is the one good thing of this series that has persisted beyond it. Yes. yes. And uh, he's For voiced by reason. Peter Spellos, uh, a, a regular in softcore porn in non-softcore roles. <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> Have, having met him, I mean, people are welcome to, to finding whatever they want attractive. And I realize I'm, I'm no judge of male attractiveness, but I would not expect him to be in, in the porny parts of Yeah, no, especially since what I know him best from is from the first live-action Guyver movie. 
Oh, right, he was in that. Yes, paired with, uh, um, I'm blanking on his name. Mark Hamill? No, the dynamite. Oh, Jimmy J.J. Walker? Yes, J.J. Walker. Yeah, they're the and yeah, uh, Skybite is a warrior poet who is also a shark. He's kind of great. He's so great. Also, his- like back in uh, in the Beast Wars anime stuff, where we mentioned how Megatron, his toy, had this, like, grimace. So they just animated him as always having this grimace, and Skybite kind of has that going, too. Yeah. And Skybite has the Predacon trio working under him, which includes Gas Skunk, who is a skunk, Slapper, who is a frog, and Dark Scream, who is a flying squirrel, and also is voiced by uh, Steve Bloom. Yes, the most obvious voice in the entire thing. Well, if you this watch one it, yeah. of three roles he has in this show. The I only th- one that showed up in this episode. Yeah, he's also one of the spy changers, and I think it's Fortress Maximus. Oh. He's Fortress Maximus and. Wars! Wicked <laughs> Attack Recon Sports Car. Because it's an acronym. Because somebody's name had to be way worse than x Braun. Well, I mean, the worst name is probably Rev, who is Race Evolution Vehicle and has a big Nazi eagle on his uh, hood. Uh, well, it's, yeah. at, at least the name Rev without the acronym, like, Rev sounds like a good Transformer name. I think he later I mean, became Race Exertion Vehicle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the spell that acronym is probably worse, but if you want to go just by what they're known as on packaging in, in the show and stuff, I will argue that the worst character name is one that we did see in this episode, Movor. Yes, <laughs> okay. so oh, at this point, we've yeah. uh, expanded the original villain cast, and there are now uh, six Decepticons, because the previous bad guys were Predacons. Uh, they're led by Scourge, who is the first... Uh, evil black Optimus primary paint. Oh, wait, he's thanks. Uh, he's the very first. I thought he was the first one to just get animated. I think he's the very first. Maybe okay. He's at least the first one to get animated. Uh, he was voiced by Barry Stigler, best known as Mister Gone on that uh, <gasps> the Max cartoon. Speaking of things I have on VHS, ooh, <laughs> uh, I loved the Max in high school because, as as we mentioned, I was a ridiculous hipster nerd. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And his minions are the com- are the Combaticons, although I think here they're the what are they the what are they called? Oh, the Commandos. And but, some of them have good they? names. Some of them have bad names. I think they're all so, kind of bad. I mean, Brawl <laughs> is Armorhide, which is a fine name. Armorhide's yeah. not bad. Uh, Swindle becomes Rollbar, which is fine, except he doesn't have a Rollbar. It's just boring. And and it it is a reused Throttlebot name. Yes, yeah. Onslaught is Mega Octane, which really doesn't make any sense. No, that one's kind of... Uh, there, there was mm-hmm. one point where I turned the subtitles on, which which is occasionally a popular thing to do, and and it uh, called him Mega Hawk Tank. <laughs> <laughs> Mega Hawk Tank is almost a better name if he transforms into a tank uh, and a hawk. I think, that's, uh, I, think, I think that's one of the vehicles that uh, one of Hawkeye's action figures comes with, <laughs> Mega Hawk Tank. I did the research. There was a black reissue of G1 Optimus Prime at JAFCON 2000 in Japan. Ah, okay, so oh. close. Yeah. And uh, Vortex becomes Rotor with a hyphen. Which, that's that's just a He-Man name. Or, or a GoBot's name. And yeah. Bruticus becomes Ruination, which is a great name. Oh, that, oh yes. Okay, that one's golden. And then uh, Blastoff becomes... Move or. <laughs> yeah. Because he moves. Or something. I mean, Blastoff so is never the best name, but Move or is way worse. No, that's I've... definitely, uh, lunches in five minutes, come up with something. <laughs> I have now made a terrible mistake and gone to IMDB to look up various things. Uh, Koji was Jason Spisak. Uh, he's also on Robots in Disguise. He was Paralon. And he was also, uh, he was Kid Flash in Young Justice, and more importantly to me, he was Razor in Green Lantern, the animated series. Uh, And actually, I'm curious, looking at this, like, if he was actually a kid at the time, because he's not that old. Yeah, Koji Onishi is our generic anime kid protagonist, and he is barely in this episode. 
He was 28 at the time. Oh. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Also, he is, he was in Dinosaurs, which I think we, we proposed watching an episode of. We only realize we don't hate each other that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, so uh, on actually, that subject, I, I do, I did feel upon watching it this time that this did really feel like I guess the the word that I was coming up with was shovelware, but the sort of stuff you had around that time that Saban would just bring over and do a cheap dub of and throw onto Fox Kids. Fox Kids, yeah. 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 Like they, that, that one with the cave kid with, like, a pterodactyl that I had this adorable plush toy of. and a crow? Maybe. Crow... <laughs> no. no um, Zatch Bell is coming up. It, it, it almost, it almost does feel like they just handed this to Saban and said, here, dub this so we can keep our time slot for when we do our own cartoon next year. <laughs> yes. Although it turns out they wouldn't because that would be on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Really also, for, for Alex and I, uh, Richard Upcar was most recently Kill Jaden in Legion. In a, in oh a yeah, so that's that's fairly cool. So uh, it turns out that our central character in this episode will in fact be the terribly named Muvor, uh, who is voiced by Robert Axelrod, best known as Lord Zed. Oh, yes. ooh, I did not know that. Yeah, really he, adorable in this though. He, and he's kind of using like his old Jewish man voice. Yes, yeah. which I've been rewatching that um, '90s Spider-Man cartoon on Netflix. And he voices uh, the Punisher's buddy Microchip, and it's the exact same voice. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I didn't get Jewish from it. I got like Brooklyn-ish from it. Yeah, kind of Brooklyn-y. Yeah, I kind of. I, I guess I was kind of thinking George Costanza-ish. Yeah, yeah that's oh, fair. So, so Richard Epcar was Lunk in Robotech. That would be during the third season, uh, Mospeda, or the Invid Invasion. Hmm. Oh, and I'm sorry to do this, but Sandy Fox, all best known or possibly better known as the voice of Chibusa in Sailor Moon, voiced T.A.I., and I'm forcing you to unpack T.A.I. now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, she's like the – she's the Autobots emergency hologram thing. She's dressed like a train conductor for some reason. And uh, don't look up any of her merchandise ever. No, she is also occasionally the voice of reason in this series, for which I, I, at one point on, on the AllSpark, my avatar picture was just a, a screenshot of her looking like, what the hell, you guys? Well, she is, apart from one, ex- she's one of two women on this entire show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I totally forgot to mention Toline, who I kind of like, who's... A, an Autobot Totark whose sole character trait is very G1 in that he is a huge stickler for traffic regulations. <laughs> yes. So he's just constantly towing away people who are parking where they should not park. Yes. I would say him thing. being like a bright green and yellow tow truck like is wrong, but there's a local company that has a bright pink and purple tow truck, so yeah, that that's, doesn't really stand out that much. Also, his toy looks exactly like a tow truck version of the Mystery Machine. Yes, it does. <laughs> that I is love it. Entirely accurate. Yes. So we we open with a shuttle launch. Uh, no, we both we, product- we open with what we've been avoiding. The oh, theme I was trying song. not to talk about. It. Oh God, this is <laughs> this is so bad. It's I I recommend if you hate yourself to take a moment now and go onto YouTube and and look it up. It's not uh, I had forgotten how bad it was. Oh, uh, bad synths, weird robot voice modulation. And this, this began a trend of what, which continues to the present day of all Transformers cartoons using some variation of the 
old Generation 1 Transformers theme song. And this is, I think, the worst. I, I have a horrible confession to make. <laughs> you like it? Did you did you compose this? <laughs> I have Kicking this in like my main. Okay, I'm just gonna listen to music playlist on my iPod. Oh, <laughs> aww. And what's crazy about this is that Saban actually had people who could come up with theme songs. Like yeah. Hyam Saban did a bunch of yeah, 80s theme songs. Yeah, he I was did gonna say, the best. Not he had people. He was. He was that people. And, well, and they also had uh, was it uh, Rick Wasserman who did all that uh, Power Rangers music? He's good. Yeah, yeah. And they had him and uh, I don't know if that was. I think that was before his falling out uh, with Shuki Levy, who was like between Haim Saban and Shuki Levy, they together wrote like, well. <laughs> Part of the falling out is because really Chucky Levy. <laughs> Haim Saban did what he did best, which is taking credit for other people's work. Chucky <laughs> oh. uh, Levy is like, I want to write a book about all the, all, like, most, not, not Transformers, not the Hasbro stuff, but so many iconic 80s theme songs were by him, and also he, he and, and Rick Wasserman did the X-Men Original animated theme song. Oh, man. Ron Wasserman. Yes. Oh, Ron, Ron Wasserman. But, but yes. Uh, also, now that I'm looking at uh, IMDb, which, of course, is like a mistake second only to looking yes. at TV tropes, uh, I, I do recall now that there was <laughs> instead of things. <laughs> There's one voice actor who carried over from G1 in, into this, which who is Michael McConaughey? Oh, right, he uh, was Trax. Yeah, I want to say he was originally Trax, and he was Hotshot, just one of the spy changers. Yeah, spy changers. So, so yeah, that's fairly cool. So yeah, once this atrocity ends, we <laughs> we are it's, watching it's a, so a shuttle launch. It's like fifteen seconds, and yet it's still so bad. Wow, Tony Oliver was in one episode as as married man. Uh, oh, wow. Tony Oliver having been Rick Hunter in Mac in the Robotech Macross. So. I don't know why I'm surprised by this, but knowing Shuki Levy did the theme to Big Bad Beetleborgs gives me such conflicted feelings. <laughs> That's at least catchy. He also did. Catchy. I'm not sure if I should Cliff. love him for it or hate him. <laughs> Both. He did Heathcliff. Ooh. And Inspector like Gadget. The best. Oh, I, yeah. That's a classic. Yeah, and and the ALF. If you have not heard the ALF cartoon theme song, I encourage you to go look it up on YouTube now and then never get it out of your mind. <laughs> it's way better than that show's theme song had any business being. All right. So, yeah, we are launching a shuttle. Uh, Predacons are watching it, Autobots are watching it, and what the Predacons know, but the Autobots do not, is that somehow the Decepticons have taken the real shuttle, hidden it or destroyed it, and replaced it with Movor, who is about the same size as, I mean, the Combaticons are a scale nightmare, because you've got a yeah. Jeep and also a space shuttle, and they're supposed to be the same size. Now, I, I have a, a couple notes on this, one being that... Later in the episode, it's established through dialogue that the Decepticons had, like, captured the other shuttle and kidnapped its passengers and just had them somewhere. But it's entirely possible, especially considering what they do later in the episode, yeah. that they just blew it up and killed everybody. Yeah, that, that yeah. don't, don't they seem like hostages or something? But, like, no, no, we never see them. Let's just assume they're dead. Yeah, that could have been they, one of those. Oh, we have I, I don't think these guys are competent enough to successfully kill anybody, though. This is a Japanese-produced Transformers cartoon, let's be honest. We've already put more thought into this than the people who wrote this did. <laughs> yes. Well, also, we, we should take a moment to note, as, as I mentioned about something later in the episode, the reason we're doing this episode specifically is that this episode is uh, – this episode did not air in the U.S. Uh, it was dubbed as part of the original batch, but uh, 
Well, uh, Robots in Disguise uh, was the, I think the pilot ran on September 9th, 2001. Uh, so, so yeah, after 9-11, there were some things here that were, though I really, watching the episode, I felt like they could have maybe been edited out, but at that point, maybe yeah. it was just easier to just take it out well, of it was, rotation. Yeah, probably easier than skipping it. Plus, like, in the first episode, doesn't Megatron destroy buildings with his giant yeah. hand mode? So. And I believe those episodes were not repeated. I believe mm-hmm. they were taken out yes. of, they aired, but they were taken out of rotation. Yes. The hand smashes through a building in the first episode, which aired September 8th, 2001. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this episode kind of involves blowing up a lot of buildings. It did air in Canada, so I saw it. And I think time. it aired, I know I have a DVD set uh, that's from England that has it, and I think it did air in I don't know if it aired in England or not, but I would think that maybe, you know, Probably they, they so. were not as scarred. Uh, not only does this involve the destruction of a lot of buildings, it's played for comedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's really messed up. But but also, uh, as for the actual events going on at this point in the episode, I'm really impressed that at some point there was actually a Transformer using their alt mode for a strategic purpose. Yes. Because how often do you see that? Almost never. Yeah. He's gone up into Autobot, into outer space, so that he can spy on the Autobots from above and find out where their secret base is. Oh, I'm sorry. There was one thing I wanted to get in. Two things I wanted to get into before we got into Mm -hmm. the plot proper. Okay. One, Koji is the most generic anime protagonist ever. Oh, he might as well just be called hero protagonist. Yeah. (laughs) No, because that that writing is better. Uh, that's our that is a better book. Uh, well, I just so, wasn't his name not Koji in the original? Uh, let's see here. What is the way that's it says? It was had... Yuki Onishi. So they they gave him a different random Japanese name. Isn't Koji also one of the guys from Digimon? I I think so. Maybe not one of the majors. I remember Ty and um, nobody else. Not one of the main ones. I mean, apparently none of us ever deigned to beat the heat with the DigiBeat. All summer. Hey, I was super into Digimon. I I drove to a theater two hours away when I was in Michigan scenic Upper Peninsula to see the Digimon movie. I love that Zoinks. movie. I own it. <laughs> so, but no, there there was not a major. I was. My brain was getting stuck on having heard someone from that pool of voice actors saying Koji's name, but then I realized it was just from Robots in Disguise. <laughs> so no, there there was not a major DG okay. destined named Koji. Okay, then. And then the other thing is, was this for every episode of the series that they used this font for opening credits and episode title? Yes. And okay, yes, so I actually put in my notes, nice digital font. Oh, no, this isn't just a nice digital font. This is a sign that this show was done by Saban because it's being reused for when they did Power Rangers in space. <laughs> Which I think was airing at the same time. Uh, around the same time. I think it was slightly earlier. I could be wrong. Okay, I never I really kept up too much with Power Rangers after Trini left. I had feelings about she had that. She had that peace conference to get to. Oh, yeah. Well Power Rangers Speaking was aired in 1998. Oh. Speaking of things that happened immediately before September 11th, 2000. Oh, yeah, jeez. This is going to be one depressing episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we were cued for that with the opening theme. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Prepared for an onslaught of sorrow. Robots in disguise. Anyway, so he, Autobots. He can't. He's, he tries wow. following tow line, but all tow line is doing is dragging away parking violators. And Prowl is being an actual police car and chasing down a criminal. Yeah, except this is one of those moments. I there there was one of these moments in the G one cartoon. This is one of these moments where the alt modes really break your suspension of disbelief because apparently this city has like an entire fleet of police Lamborghinis. Well, honestly, that's, you know, that's the wealthy metropolis of Metro City. (laughs) 
Now there there was in in G one there was uh, in uh, God it was the episode with Red, Auto Berserk uh, with Red Alert where he like goes crazy and which then became his defining personality characteristic. <laughs> uh, also the episode in which he's super gay with Inferno. Thumbs up. Uh, but uh, Ironhide is looking for him and comes across uh, an actual Fire Chief Lamborghini that he mistakes for Red Alert. I, I, I want to give them more credit than you're giving them here because in Europe that is a thing. I Yeah, I suppose this could be Europe except he's clearly a Japanese. I mean, it is clearly Japan, but there <laughs> are Fire Chief Lamborghinis in Italy. I guess that's fair. And there, I think they're in Metro City. Yeah. The entire, (laughs) Finland's patrol police cars for a while were Porsches. Yes. So these kind of extravagant police cars are probably more unrealistic to us as Americans who are like, no, that, that should be a fucking Crown Vic. Also, because Americans don't like spending tax money on things such yeah. as nice police cars. Uh, but yes, Prowl manages to to get lost by blending in with this fleet of police Lamborghinis. Yes. So and, uh, I, I, I want to take this as the first opportunity to just go. The animation in this is oh so low rent. Oh, it's that, not good. That also contributed to that feeling of being that kind of shovel, you yeah. know, just thrown in there because the animes are cool right now and Saban got the right. They're yeah. so lucky that most of these characters don't have mouths. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they don't even give, like, Optimus Prime, voiced by Neil Kaplan at the beginning, like, a two-frame, my faceplate is moving slightly as I talk animation. They just hold on him for like 10 seconds while Neil Kaplan kind of does right. a Peter Cullen impression. Yeah. That's that's nicer than what I was going to say. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't like Optimus's <laughs> voice in this, but yeah, it, there's the animation's like, I wouldn't say substandard G1 because there's some really bad G1 episodes, but like, that they take the time sometimes to have like a little window of the robot face pop up while they're in alt mode talking. Although admittedly most of them, yes, do have face plates, so like Movor's talking in a little pop up in the corner. It's, it's very cute. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's a yes. nice touch that you know. Yeah, it's not that this is even incompetent. It's just they are using every anime limited animation technique in the rule book, and they do not care. I I I think what it is is it carries over from the Beast Wars animes in that they seem to have just used, like, the cheapest animation studio they could get. Yeah. It just seems to be a budget issue. I mean, though I think this was the first Transformers series that was uh, colored using computer assistance because it was the first one... Uh, you can still to this day probably go on eBay and find animation cells from from Second and Neo. Oh, yeah. uh, I I have one of Stampy because I love Stampy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but yeah, this was the first one that you couldn't get animation cells of. Oh yes, this was all clearly being done on computers based on like when I say limited animation, I don't just mean like holding on static shots or tr- finding excuses not to redraw stuff, but like overlays and. Shots where they are dragging and scaling an image instead of having any kind of actual animation to it. And like we were getting up to with the Lamborghinis, they're just kind of wiggling back and forth on a background that has speed lines on it. (laughs) Yeah. And it becomes really obvious when you get one of the stock transformation scenes that they paid someone $10 to animate so that it looks better. Uh, or I'm sorry, so I guess also, a thousand yen. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, I need to go back to one other thing. Movor claims he got a hernia from launching him. <laughs> if yourself, you you don't have that muscle. B. <laughs> That's not how just, propulsion works on yeah, these vehicles. Are, are you that dumb that you were just hauling up the fuel things and not actually using them as fuel? <laughs> And I mean, there's never been a, uh, episode. yes, you are that dumb, but. <laughs> Why has there never been a Transformer who uses that, uh, big fuel tank? No. As, uh, as part of their thing? No. 
there. That's there sad, though. Been, it's hollow. That's, that's why. There have been a couple, but yeah, and that's the, and, and that, uh, uh, with space shuttles, there's the fuel tank, and then there are the two side rockets that are actually what lifts it, does most of the lifting up yeah, into orbit. Mm. So if he was doing that with his own thrusters, then he was not doing it right. <laughs> he was not launching into orbit correctly. This, you, this Earth's NASA is very clueless. <laughs> Oh, we yeah. have gotten one, I think Stratosphere was the name of it. It was a Revenge of the Fallen a non-movie figure, and it had what is one of the cooler things that I think they've done scale-wise. It is accurately scaled that it has a space shuttle for a gun. <laughs> oh, right. Oh. That guy. Yes, that guy was super cool. Right, right, right. Now, just think about that the next time you think about Bruticus or Ruination and how screwed up scale is. <laughs> yes. So, Moovor is distracted from watching all these Autobots by watching some dis- some Predacons. And in this case, Skybite and uh, the Predacon trio have taken a suggestion a little too literally and are carving a giant Nazca Lines-style portrait of Megatron in the dirt. Just his face. Admittedly, his face does kind of look like a giant bird with a face drawn on it. Yes. Also, his face is so ridiculous. Good. Yeah. Because he's just always growling. And they soon run into a singing ex-Bron who, uh, who Movor believes is going to win their standoff because he's seen a lot of Western movies, and that's always how it goes. Now, I have, okay, again, a couple things to say about this. Uh, my parents had one of those Mercedes SUVs at one point. Uh, I uh, I take issue with uh, it driving off road, <laughs> and I take issue with it having like a like sort of accent you might expect from an actual pickup truck. Yeehaw! Because he wasn't just an SUV; he was that obnoxious Mercedes SUV that came out right around then. That was like. The first luxury car company to make some stupid SUV. Ah, so perhaps you think he should be talking like this, Fräulein? Uh, yeah, he should be talking like Nightcrawler from X-Men Evolution. <laughs> I think he should just be talking like some some jerk from the suburbs. Oh, he should be talking like you and Mirage. Yeah, yeah, he should be talking about, like, Mirage. Uh, but... But yeah, he. Uh, th- those are my issues with Exbron that I didn't even really think of at the time. Well, Mercedes had some issues with him too, so they had to futz the uh, headlights a little, so he didn't look exactly like a Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, so Movor, you know, Exbron escapes. Movor basically loses interest and turns his attention to the third of the Autobot brothers, Sideburn, who is committing sex crimes. Oh. Yeah, I didn't really. I suppose this is one of those things about, like, you know, I I have considered myself a feminist for most of my life, and yet even then I thought it was kind of, like, cutesy, and now I'm just horrified. I I have become sufficiently woke to to be (laughs) properly horrified by Sideburn's behavior. So Sideburn's deal is that he... He, you know, he's a robot who turns into a car, and he relentlessly hits on red cars. Not he, transformers to turn into red cars. Red cars. He, he is Pepe Le Pew, without the French accent. Pepe Le Pew, yeah. Pepe Le Pew yeah. were going after, like, rocks. <laughs> the thing is, he doesn't seem to understand that, though. But... I mean, Pepe Le Pew is going after a cat who has been painted and cannot talk like he can. This is true. That is kind of like that. And... Frequently, these red cars are in the possession of uh, recurring female character Kelly. Oh, the, the saddest and best in character in the show because she's, she's being stalked by this lunatic car, and she's nothing nope. but a sight gag waiting to happen every episode. But somehow manages to be the most interesting and sympathetic and well-rounded character in this show. She's pretty I have, adorable. I have a real question about her. Okay. So she can hear what Sideburn is saying. What does she think is happening? Is there a person who is pursuing her relentlessly trying to have sex with her? Or is he pursuing her relentlessly so he can have sex with her car? Well, he's this talking about the car, question. so he's chasing He's talking about the car. She's being chased by what she – because people don't – in this Earth, I guess except for NASA, 
don't know that transforming robots are a thing. Yeah. It's so she just thinks that she's being chased by a car fetishist. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've been in the Transformers fandom long enough to not question that. <laughs> Kelly, call the police. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that would just get Prowl. I'm sure he's used to that. <laughs> and also, he's how is he talking to her? Can she just hear him over the sound of both of their engines? Is he somehow commandeering her car radio, in which case she should definitely call the police? Again, <laughs> thinking away about this more than the writers, but... <laughs> yeah. So she she eventually escapes him, but she ends up driving into a giant pit in the middle of somebody's yard, so I assume this is Buffalo Bill's house. To be, that's a better outcome than usually happens to her. Although her car always gets wrecked, but usually it's more explosive. So that's not that bad. And throughout this entire thing and everything else, Movor is making comments like he thinks he's on Mystery Science Theater 3000, but he's not very good at it. He is the satellite of love. Yes. There's like one astronaut left on him, and he's used spare parts of Movor to build a bunch of robots. <laughs> And he's he's really adorable. He's a really charming character here. I mean, this is the man who, uh, you know, wooed and romanced Rita Repulsa. <laughs> Despite not having a face or possibly genitals. <laughs> well, yes, there's that. So here's another question. We do get uh, activation words and the transformation sound from... Beast Wars. Was that added in the adaptation, or was that something that they had in the original version, too? That I do not know. Well, that's a good question that I do not we know the answer to. do all that research. Yes. I think it was added, though. It makes sense. So the Autobots now know what's going on, kind of, and so they do not tell Sideburn what's going on because they don't want him to go back to their base. Oh, and also so, a, a brief return to, to voice actor talk. Uh, it's worth mentioning that Prowl is voiced by apparently the, like, crazy guy from some L.A. morning show, L.A. radio morning show, who goes by Wankus. Uh, yes. I believe he was also involved with pornography somehow, like maybe possibly just in, like, a Howard Stern kind of way. Yeah, I think like he's now I said, super I th- Christian. <laughs> That's terrifying. Oh, also, Sideburn. Sideburn is voiced by a guy named Wally Wingert. He's in a ton of stuff. I think he's on. Uh, he was on that Avengers cartoon, uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, where I think he was Ant Man. Oh, interesting. But I, I just want to let everyone know that Wankus. Also, Wankus drank a whole lot at the BotCon that that cast was at. To the point where I, I made a point to to verify with Glenn Hallett that 3H was not on the hook for his bar tab. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. I'll also note here that Sideburn is voiced in Japan by a comedian who goes by Punch UFO. <laughs> oh, Japanese celebrity names. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, look out Cosmos, I guess. <laughs> look out Movor. I mean, yes. technically. So, and speaking of Movor, uh, Movor has decided to take matters into his own hands, and we find out why this episode did not air after 9-11, because he just starts blowing up a bunch of buildings. And an airport. And, yeah, oh, point. that airport was distressing. Yeah, It's one of those, like, still-painted matte uh, pictures. Yes, yes. It, it's a, well, what are usually called postcard memories, pioneered mostly by uh, Osamu Dezaki. Tazaki. He, he he did that a lot in various shows. It's it's, it's a cost saving effect that you don't animate an entire scene. You just overly paint and, and wash out one frame. But it looks gorgeous when you do it. And then you pan across it like a Ken Burns thing. Yep. Yeah, except in Cheap this case it's a bunch of airplanes being blown up, which yes, immediately after nine eleven was maybe not a thing you want to do. Dearest Rotor, it is hard to believe that the same sun shines over this uh, exploding airport as does our plantation back in Mississippi. <laughs> and, and then, is it Movor who refers to Sideburn as Loverboy? 
probably there are a lot of weird references in this. I think so, yes. Although maybe it wasn't intended as a musical reference. But. I mean, this is kind of one stage above, like, a gag dub, where they've inserted yeah. a bunch of jokes into it. And that was kind of a a point of some, I guess, whether one loved or hated the show. Because, you know, we had had, even though Beast Wars had its jokes and had the low road, it was generally a pretty serious show, whereas this was the first Transformers show we had that veered quite this far into comedy. Yeah, I think I'm okay with that, because if this was played straight, it would be intolerable. Yeah. Yeah. As goofy as some of the comedy relief characters would get, we did not have a Bulk and Skull knockoff leitmotif for Waspinator. No. <laughs> oh, that would have been fun, though. Oh, speak, speaking of uh, Ron Wasserman. <laughs> uh, however, of course, they make sure to note that all the buildings they blow up are deserted. Sure. Yeah, totally. Just it's, just like the the astronauts have just been kid, but they're okay. And just like all those uh, all those Cobra pilots always parachuted to safety. Yeah. Except that's... You know, at least they show that, whereas this is just anime being, I don't know, flippant uh, about these things, and then the dub has to clean it up a little. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they can't find the Autobot base, and the Autobots eventually figure out what's going going on, so they trick Cyburn into just going to appear. Yeah, well, yeah, no, the, the thing is, x like... He facilitates, he encourages the stalking. Yes, because he says, oh, hey, you're going to meet the car of your dreams at this pier. Yeah, it's, oh, d- bad friend x Brown. A brother, <laughs> I, I think they're brothers. Yeah, they're brothers. Which is just weird. Which I love, Transformer brothers. They're so inexplicable. Yep. yep. Great. So yeah, the, the, five Dece- the five Decepticons, Sans, Muvor, meet them there. They can't combine into Ruination because they'd be short a limb. And at this point, the Autobots uh, decide to sell some more toys here and summon Team Bullet Train. <laughs> Wait, no. The, first, Yay! the Autobots show up by flying out of the ground from a perpendicular angle. That was kind of <laughs> yeah. cool. I like that. <laughs> I love Team Bullet Train. And yeah, Team Bullet Train composed of uh, Midnight Express, who is like the C-3PO guy. And who is now in the IDW universe. It was in the Optimus Prime first issue. We get Rail Spike, who is the old man, voiced by the old man, voiced by the actual old man who voiced all the old men in Saban cartoons. Yes. <laughs> he sounds like and, every old man in every Saban cartoon. Yes. And we get Rapid Run, who was voiced by the, who's the cool guy, who was voiced by the guy who played uh, Will Smith on that Men in Black cartoon. Oh. <laughs> Not that we know any of this from watching this episode, because they show up, say their names, and immediately transform into their combined mode. Yes. Yeah. Man, I hate that with combiners. It's my pet peeve. So Scourge and Optimus fight a bunch, mostly by grappling, which is somewhat less imposing than it should be, because Scourge is way smaller than... Optimus. Yeah, because he waits for Optimus to combine to his super mode, whatever, with the rest of his fire engine, because he's only half the fire engine when he transforms at first, which is kind of a weird toy design. Well, but yes. yeah, he's bigger. Also, we mentioned that Scourge is the first black repaint, evil black repaint Optimus Prime, but it's worth noting that he is not a repaint of this Optimus Prime. He is actually a repaint of Laser Prime from G2, which is one of the best toys ever. That is uh, super sweet. Sadly, he does not have the big sticker of him burning a forest down on the side and of his And it would make tank. sense for him. He's a bad guy. He's totally burned down a forest. <laughs> yeah, but it was just solid, solid chrome. Uh, but yeah, but since he is still clearly Optimus Prime, they made him, you know, like a clone sort of whatever his his origin is. So he is, like, related to Optimus Prime, but he's not actually the exact same toy. So, yes. so yeah, the actual Optimus Prime in the show here is, is bigger because he's this big fire truck dude. Also because of the shoot discs out of his chest gimmick having the G2 Autobot logo on them. Yes! The logo for the Decepticons in 
this robots in disguise in this robots in disguise series is the upside down G2 Autobot symbol instead of the usual Decepticon logo. Yes. I'm going to get that as a tattoo. Although they did remold the toy, so they're just blank, and then the toys just have standard Decepticon symbols. Yeah, it's, uh... symbols are weird in this, because, like, when Muvor is scanning things early in the episode, like, the, the o- there's an overlay of what he's scanning that's in the American version that isn't in the Japanese. And in the corner, there's, like, a Predacon symbol in one shot, and then every shot after that, it's a Decepticon symbol. I think the Predacon weird. symbol might have been when Megatron was, like, using his viewing oh, globe to watch again. stuff. Maybe. But yeah, that that is a weird overlay, and it's definitely using the Decepticon symbol that would go on to be used in later series around this time and was used in the universe. So I, I, I think like, the symbol might have been diff- might have still I been like, the upside down one in the Japanese version. Sorry, I stopped talking. So they're trying Jim? to fight, but and Movor is trying to help by shooting them, but instead Scourge keeps moving and he keeps shooting Scourge instead. <laughs> And As so, we said, very comic-oriented Yeah, series. it's not working out. We're not going to find that base. They just retreat, and Scourge goes back to tormenting the Max. <laughs> <laughs> and as they as they finish, the Autobots try and tell Sideburn that, hey, maybe you should stop trying to have sex with inanimate objects. <laughs> yeah. And you meanwhile... Stop being a sex criminal. Yes. And meanwhile, up in space... Uh, Muvor gets all gravity and gets uh, clonked by a satellite and plunges to Earth. And I think that's the most animation any one shot gets in the entire episode. Yes. Possibly, yeah. And also, apparently, in the Japanese version, as he's crashing to Earth, instead of complaining about how ooh, ah, hot, he is singing a Japanese version of Livin' La Vida Loca. What the... <laughs> okay, so it is as weirdly jokey in Japanese in different ways, because when he's crashing in the English, he makes a comment about being Rudolph. Yes. Oh, yes, because he's got a red nose, because re-entry. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's Robots in Disguise. It's, it's from what I can remember watching the series, God Lord, 15 years ago, uh, it's more fun when it's like this, because when it's serious, it involves trying to summon the love from the world's children to defeat Megatron. Uh, and O-Parts. Yeah. Oh, so oh, many O-Parts. Oh, I forgot about the O-Parts. Yeah, it's... I I don't know how much of it was just that they couldn't be bothered to translate it to make more sense, or <laughs> if it was just... Anime does have that habit of having these sort of vague, weird concepts to us that are just, like, summoning the love of the world's children. And, yeah, it's it's not, it was not great. No. O-Parts is apparently a relatively common Japanese term for paranormal stuff. It's like an acronym for out-of-place artifacts. Yeah, it's a weird occult thingy that they love. Ah, so it's... it's how we would say X-Files. Yeah. Yeah, it's a catch-all for anything strange and stupid. It's like, it's like how we have UFOs, but that wouldn't translate into another language very cleanly. Yeah. Yeah. Although apparently it does, because there's a guy on the show named Punch UFO. <laughs> well, yeah. Also, apparently it it's related or very very similar to their word for like training potties because there's a, a sight gag involving that at one point early in the series. Oh, so where yeah, someone that's finds from... like a, a training potty. So yeah, that's Attack from Outer Space. It's it's fine, but you know, kids loved it. Did they? Did they, though? I mean, I I don't know if they love the show, but those toys sold like the proverbial hotcakes. Oh, yes. We need to talk about the toys. Do you want to do thoughts, more thoughts on the cartoon first? Okay, so I think we can get right into the toys. So the toys were – it was constructed like a lot of Japanese toy lines. You had some original toys with fairly elaborate designs, and then you had a bunch of leftovers. (laughs) By fairly elaborate designs, you mean you'd better have the instructions around. Oh, man. Because yeah. they were panel nightmares. I think the first time I successfully tra- uh, transformed Sideburn, I also summoned the Cenobites. 
<laughs> yeah, he's especially a, a huge mess of just panels hanging off him and also Expron's entire one of his arms is the front hood like the entire front like from the windshield forward I of, like the, of his vehicle i love the idea of that but i'm never gonna buy that toy because these things look like nightmares to transform they are so bad. isn't terrible okay sideburn is terrible and probably kind of boring yeah prowl's boring and then Optimus Prime is okay. Ultra Magnus is a real pain, and their combination is it, it is the lament configuration. <laughs> I, I actually lament really like both of them, and I feel like they get an unfair reputation. Okay, well, we will agree to disagree. <laughs> like, I feel like there's a lot of the way Ultra Magnus's legs on that toy work in the recent Combiner Wars Ultra Magnus. Yeah, I can see that. A lot better done, but I feel like the core idea was taken from that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like they're fun to put together. It's basically a statue once you get it together, but if, you know what you're doing? It's actually a really fun combination. Yeah. Um, also, um, Ultra Magnus as a character was nothing like any Ultra Magnus ever is. He was like sense. Optimus Prime's surly younger brother. <laughs> yeah. He was like the sixth ranger. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar of Sentai archetypes. Yeah. Sadly, without the delightful hamminess of uh, Jason David Frank. Aww. But you can have your picture taken with him for $40. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and so you, you've also got Megatron, who we discussed a little earlier. He's fun, but he kind of doesn't look like much of anything in most of his modes. Or do much of anything in most of his episodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He was and, very much the the villain, and I guess this is sort of like how you had Sentai villains who just sent out their lackeys all the time. He never did anything but order other people around I, and I mean, smash through a villain that smash their building that one episode. The love of the world's children to defeat him. So he must be say, doing he, something. He definitely was taking notes from Robert Axelrod on how to villain. <laughs> yes. Curse those pesky power brats. Uh, and, uh, okay, other molds. Uh, I guess we had the build team, who I thought were three-quarters fun and one-quarter Grimlock, who sucks. Yeah, they're, they're – I actually have them. They're kind of okay, sort of. And then I did not have the bullet trains. Oh, I did. They were uh... – I mean, they were really similar in a lot of ways to the the Car Brothers, and that they had lots of little dangly bits that hung off. And I don't know. I mean, I liked them okay, but I, I liked them alright. And then apart from that, you've got a lot of repeats. You've got some Transmetal Twos. Um, hey, Skybite is Transmetal Two Cyber Shark is not really a good toy, but Skybite has a gorgeous paint job. Yeah. Oh yes. yes. I I really like the. The original paint job on I that. I think that toy. looks nice too. Uh, the Combaticons are. Come on, you guys. I know you <laughs> have the Combaticons. Everybody has one set of Combaticons. <laughs> I, I'm it's sure. The law. Have I told this story on on this show or the news show on on Icon Underground Radio about finding about being excited to find them and then realize oh it's just Combatican all over. Yeah, I was so excited. I like. I I had I went out in the snow. Which, admittedly, it was like I had just moved back to Virginia from Michigan Scenic Upper Peninsula, and it was like I called uh, my my best friend at the time to ask him if he wanted to, to come look for toys. And he's like, but there's snow. I was like, no, this is not snow. Uh, but <laughs> but there is a big difference in that kind of snow when you're in a place that has, like, maybe one snowplow uh, versus a place where, like, 75% of the county budget is snow removal. Uh, so, so I went out in the snow. I went all the way to this one Walmart that's like way over, like forty-five minute drive. I think it was Woodbridge, if if you're familiar with the the DC suburbs. Uh, just the place on a Friday night where I saw a guy sitting in front of the Walmart in his car drinking something out of a brown paper bag. It's like if that's what you're doing on Friday night, that's uh, not not great. 
so I got all excited. I went over there and I found them. And I was so excited. I called my friend and held it over his head that I had actually found them. I got them home. I opened them all up and I transformed them all one at a time. And then I combined them. And then I was like, that's a G1 toy. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's G1 Compaticons. That's not that exciting. <laughs> it's not actually. It was just the biggest downer. Wait, was that was that the version where they first had all the guns combined? Yes, that is neat, at least. Uh, that's a nice yeah. And they've got and, and, nicer colors in the Japanese versions. But still, it was very... They are just the Combaticons. I mean, especially at yeah. that point where toys had, you know, made significant gains in things like being fun. <laughs> But yes, that was, I was just so excited because it hadn't sunk in that these were just some crappy G1 toys that I had passed up many times at BotCon. Uh, let's see, you also had the Machine Wars Flip Changers, which I had not had a chance to get before, and I thought they were pretty neat. Yeah, I, I really liked Skid Z's. Uh, I forget whether they pronounced the I think Z's. they just pronounced it Skid's. But uh, his his one episode about how he had to race constantly, he, he was basically a compulsive racer, uh, which at, at some point led to a series of, of jokes amongst uh, me and some of my friends about uh, these characters and sexual things and why, for instance, him always having to finish first was not in, an ideal trait for a, a partner. Uh and uh, yeah, that was he was a really good toy, and it was pretty a very pretty version of him because he was all white and purple, and like a teal, you know, purple and teal, everybody's favorite early. And he also, 90s. He also had the, yeah, the spy changers who were the G two GoBots in fairly nice color schemes, and you know they're yeah. very simple. I mean, they're Hot Wheels cars that are also Transformers. That I always wise. really appreciated that concept. Three steps. I really liked Crosswise. Uh, well, he's the and, and translucent one. He's neat. Yes, I had actually. Very, uh, very completely been collecting the, the G2 GoBots to the point of getting the super hard to find Japanese ones and everything. And somewhere around the like fifth KB exclusive series of them coming in <laughs> tins finally, finally broke me of that. Oh yes, the uh, tiny tins. Yes. But, uh, crosswise, I would like to call out it's as being both my favorite mold, uh, high beam was the original name. Uh, but also, they they cast him in translucent plastic, just straight clear plastic. Not all of him, but, you know, his vehicle, his, his, his outside vehicle parts. And then they painted it underneath with this nice, like, turquoise color. So it had this really neat effect to it of having all the, like, greebly bits from the molds highlighted by by having the paint underneath this the clear plastic. Uh, I thought he was really cool looking. Yes. He was. And and in fact, Robot the Disguise did so well that they brought in more repeats that were not in the Japanese version. Yes. They brought in the unproduced uh Generation 2 Gobots. That was very exciting. For, uh, they for me. <laughs> They made new mold legend scale guys of the main characters. Yeah, they had a little Ultra Magnus and a little Optimus and a little X Brawn and and a little Scourge. Yeah, that that and one they, was they, really nice. They brought in a bunch of Viacons. Yay! They brought in an unproduced uh, Beast Machines Beast Bruticus, who was a Cerberus, and he was kind of clearly not finished. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> Did was it Aaron Archer that designed that originally? Like, did the first? Yes, sketch? it was. Yeah. Oh. And I am so proud of getting to do an homage deco to him. Oh right, they did a oh, uh, a Predacon yeah. Bruticus in uh, Universe. That's uh, I a deco did of a Cybertron Predacon Skirt. Bruticus in Universe. Well, it <laughs> looks gorgeous. Yes, it does. Thank you. Yeah, it was. I you know I I I wasn't in a position to judge how well the toy line did. But, yeah, I guess it did especially well for a toy line that they had to do, that Hasbro had to do zero development on. Yes. And it gave them enough, uh, it apparently gave them enough money that and time that they were able to uh, produce the first full-scale vehicular Transformers line in decades. 
Yes. And that will be, and that toy line and the show it spawned will be the focus of our next episode. Because I'm Rob, and I'm here to tell you about the Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) So many feelings about Armada, 90% of which are headcanons. I had so many headcanons. Let me tell you about my Armada. (laughs) Your regular regular Age of Extinction uh, sideways. Yeah, that was, uh, (laughs) yes, that that was like getting me drunk at BotCon in like... 2002, 2003 was let me tell you about my armada headcans. Apologies to Doug Glenn, who I did that to. But yes, as, as befits a filler series, Transformers Robots in Disguise was kind of quickly forgotten and we haven't had a ton of homages to it. I'm kind Although of, we did have the kind of I'm grab bag stuff that was lumped in with it as exclusives like Air Attack Optimus Primal and oh, a Redeco of Hero Megatron done as Destructicon Bludgeon and mm. getting another black redeco of a G2 Optimus Prime toy as a scourge. Yes. I was oh, going to say that I was surprised that we didn't have it on DVD and then I remembered why we don't have it on DVD. Yeah, there's it's a it's a Saban rights thing, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. They own it in Hasbro Dub because they have it in the UK. Yes, that's uh, like I said. I had a, a I picked up a DVD set of I think the first half of it uh, when I, when I was in England for a week, uh, and, and that that and a DVD with it's got a picture of Star Saber on the cover, but it's a handful of precious precious Headmasters dub episodes. <laughs> oh, there's not only is it that Saban had the rights. Saban no longer has the rights. Oh. So does anybody have the rights? Really? Yes, they do. Oh, when no. Saban was going through financial trouble around <gasps> this right. time, Disney, isn't Disney it? bought it. Oh. oh. I mean, they have a working relationship with Hasbro, I guess. Yeah. On the one hand, they do. On the other hand, they don't have a working relationship with Hasbro over Transformers. That's yeah. true. Maybe maybe Hasbro can hold some Star Wars stuff hostage until they give them the rights to. No, that's never going to happen. Put it out, or it's just con- or it's just Constable Zuvios, as far as the eye can see. <laughs> well, that doesn't help anyone. No. Well, I, I guess the one thing that really has carried over from uh, Robots in Disguise is Skybite. Yeah, uh, yeah. He got his own toy, and he's a regular in the comics, and he's great. Yeah, he is. Every even at the time, the and and my my fan perspective from the time. uh, Fortunately, most people had gotten the whole "this is a new thing, so I hate it" out of their system with with Beast Machines. Uh, So at this point, it really came down to just opinions on how much you liked a largely humorous series. Uh, I, I personally, you know, I like it when stuff gets hella dark, so I was always kind of on the fence with it. But, you know, Skybite was great. Uh, everybody loves, I mean, at, at the, at BotCon 2002, uh, where they had a bunch of cast members from it, uh, Peter Spellos was like everyone's favorite. Uh, you know, he, he had a big group around him at the bar, uh, as opposed to Wankus, who was just at the bar the uh, the entire time. <laughs> uh, like I, I think it was. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna gonna name names, but uh, someone who was there said that they they saw him at one point, like around dinner time there at the bar, and then he was there still there at like 2 a.m. And at one point he was like leaning on on the stool, hand off, and started swaying a little bit. <laughs> That thing actually, I saw him going to his panel, and I asked him if he was hungover, and he said, "Nope, still drunk." That's a professional. <laughs> yes. Yep. So, but every, I, I'm pretty sure Peter Spellis had like, I want to say he had like a tweed jacket and stuff. It was he was just he was he was great. Everybody loved him. Uh, well, I think as befits robots in disguise, I will end the episode with a haiku. Podcast too long, guys. We have to cut it off here. Sure need a drink bad.
Good job. Good job. <laughs> but until next time, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, and we are on Tumblr. And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net. Uh, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting costs for this and our news podcast. We are on both iTunes and on uh, Google Play. Please rate and review it wherever you get us. And if you uh, want to let us know how you feel about Robots in Disguise, write into the Maxim Mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, we face the Armada. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. I'm David. Oh my goodness, we talked this long about a stupid <laughs> I mean, a good chunk of it was just talking about the series as a whole, so... Yes. How we didn't even mention Cryotech. Oh, jeez. Ooh. No more. Oh, He's no actually more. the uh, the version of that mold that I kept. <laughs> Yay, Cryotech. And, and Crow. Actually, I've kept all the deployers because they're virtually worth nothing, and I like them. Well, I think oh. I think I will oh. sign off now. Oh, sorry it's going on so long, guys. Go. Yes. Yeah. 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 Social I've been in quite some time. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Yeah.